here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. Good evening, folks. Dylan DeChair coming to you here. Welcome to the Drop Zone. I'm in Seattle, and I'm speaking to a bearded Sean Zock who is in a Miami, Florida hotel room. Sean, what's happening? This is all I've got for a costume. I really enjoy dressing up for Halloween, and all I've got with me is this beard to mask what I normally look like. So appreciate it, please. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it looks good. Is this going to be like an all winter thing? I mean, Sean, for I know this is this is not great podcast content necessarily, uh, bad audio, but Sean is one of the world's, uh, one of the golf media world's more prodigious beard growers. I had to really narrow that down pretty quickly there. <laughs> um, are you? What's your What's your plan here? Uh, we're gonna keep it for a couple more days and then shave it to go to a wedding. I just got absolutely boxed into a bad beard because I was going up against Dustin Johnson all weekend here at the live event. Dustin has for sure the best beard in golf, right? I think so. Yeah. I mean, he, his has a certain, uh, vibe that he wears it with. I think that Cameron Young has a lot of beard potential. It's just Mm. that we don't really right now. Cam Young's beard is just filled with secrets. There's, (laughs) there's a lot of mystery there. We just don't know him well enough yet. But he's uh, he's kind of like the beard in waiting. Um, anyway, Sean, I've been I've been out. I've been off the grid. Where I've been, I was in uh, I was in the on the island nation of well French Polynesia. I keep saying Tahiti, but uh, celebrating my first anniversary with Emily, my Congratulations wife. Congratulations to Emily. Thank marrying you, you and and to me. Um, but yeah, Seattle just added a direct flight from Seattle to Papeete. Definitely saying that wrong. Uh, the biggest city in Tahiti. And so we spent about 10 days bopping around over there and uh, not writing about golf. That's super exciting that you got to avoid the Butterfield Bermuda Championship and the Live Golf Team Championship. Folks, some exciting news from our friends at Radmore Golf. They have dropped a brand new line. Um, it's the fall winter 22 line called the Great Escape. There's some sick new colors. I'm a big fan of birch. I've already mentioned it, but it's just kind of an off-white. Uh, I'm wearing a crew neck uh, birch sweatshirt right now, but there's also some cool kind of block coloring going on. Uh, there's a Douglas, which is kind of a, a maroon. Uh, there's We've got some sweet striping happening. Basically, head on over to radmoregolf.com. Use code DROPZONE, D-R-O-P-Z-O-N-E, for 25% off at checkout. That remains an absolute screaming deal. Uh, this new stuff's actually flying off the shelves. Sources have it. So get there fast while you can. Um, you just get ahead of some Christmas shopping. DROPZONE at radmoregolf.com. Back to the podcast. You didn't miss a lot on the live versus PGA tour front in terms of the talking points. The live players believe they deserve world ranking points. Rory McIlroy doesn't want these guys on the Ryder cup. 
Rory McIlroy is world number one, and everyone who supports the PGA Tour thinks that that's a great thing. It's a good role for him to play as the talking head and then the leading golfer. Um, and then Liv hosted its team championship this week down in Miami, and I, I will like to start by saying Miami is, I think, the quintessential live golf city. I think... Uh, I think Live Golf throws a lot at you. I think Miami throws a lot at you. Live Golf throws club music at you all the time. Miami does that all the time. Um, Live Golf wants to be sexy. I think Miami tries to be sexy at all the time. There's a lot of like fake beauty down in Miami and like people out in the sun. I think Live Golf kind of want to, wants to create that vibe. People watching golf out in the sun, drinking beers, having fun. Uh, Miami feels like it fits for live golf. I mean, there's literally a club called club live in Miami and that's where live was hosting its concerts this week. So uh, it feels like a match made in rebel tour heaven. If that's where we're at. What was your week? Like, where did you stay? Like, was, did, did this feel like your typical week covering a golf tournament? Were there a lot of other golf media members there? What was the vibe on site? That was probably, I would say, core golf media, maybe eight members of the, the core golf media there, which is kind of the number that Liv has been drawing to this point. You know, if when you look at the tour championship on the PGA Tour, a lot of golf media shows up there because it's kind of the year end thing and a lot of the money gets kicked out. Well, that's what Liv was doing this week. It just uh, didn't have quite the media fanfare, but that's that's what happens when you have two different tours. Um, my week began, uh, live opened up on Wednesday and had its first team opponent selection show. Now, when I say show, it's not like it was broadcast anywhere except for livegolf.com and on its Vimeo page. Um, but what was so interesting about that Dylan is that you had eight captains up on stage the eight captains that would be playing in the quarterfinals matches. Uh, so you had Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, Bubba, Poulter, uh, Joaquin Neiman, Martin Keimer. And the first question goes to Brooks. Brooks, you're the leading team out of these guys. Who do you want to face off against? And Brooks did not get a word out before Phil jumps in and starts putting on a performance. Phil Mickelson, ever the performer really the entertainer who has pretty much kept his mouth shut all season long been very i guess calculated jumps in and goes whoa 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 he doesn't have to choose from the the bottom four teams he can choose any team why don't you choose me brooks and then they kind of go back and forth on what amounted to pretty mild humor digs at each other and bubba watson entered the fray and the entire morning press conference was kind of like that, like buddy, buddy, good natured. We're all in this together, but we're supposed to kind of create a little bit of rivalry, a little bit of tension. So this is what we've got for you. And that's how they decided who was going to play in the quarterfinals matches on Friday. Um, per usual, like I think the live staffers loved it a lot more than hopefully the unbiased media members. I mean, they invited about 50 live staffers into the ballroom, the Ivanka Trump ballroom. And when Phil Mickelson was asked for his comments on like 
Live Progress versus the PGA Tour, he gave this very, I don't know, positive, optimistic, waxing answer. And those Live staffers basically gave him a standing ovation. I mean, it was the first time uh, in the middle of a press conference uh, for Phil Mickelson that the entire room, essentially, short of the media members, were just clapping for the man. And it was an extremely weird vibe. And that was just Wednesday. And so if that's like kind of the starting point for the entire week, um, hopefully that's a good example of kind of just the surrealness of live golf. Like every time I I show up here, it doesn't feel like what I'm used to. And I know part of that is the point, but uh, at the end of the day, live also wants this to become normalized. So there's this kind of, um, there's this kind of like immovable object that is like our norms in the golf world. And then there's this, uh, I guess like meteoroid, (laughs) like, like coming right at us. And it's like, will will normalcy of, of golf pro golf golf media maintain, or will this thing with this kind of forced humor and scripted answers, will that, Will that push us off of our orbit? And I, I don't know the answer to that. Sean, the scene you're describing sounds surreal. And I've only been to one live event. It was in Portland. It was, uh, you know, out amongst the cornfields. And we were not at the Ivanka Trump ballroom. I'm wondering if there were any or several moments where you kind of had to pinch yourself. Like you were, I saw you in Getty images. You were in a scrum with president, former president Trump. Uh, I mean, like it's just Eric and Don Jr. are walking the fairways. Like the, the midterms are next week. This is the, this is an incredibly charged environment. Uh, it feels like the center of the, the political and sporting worlds are kind of colliding at this event that also sort of no one is watching. Like, what were some of the stranger moments that you experienced? Well, watching Donald Trump play golf was certainly, I guess, strange in the sense that I've never seen it before. I've seen it in video, of course. Uh, I've heard about it. I've seen photos of him playing golf. I've never actually seen it for my own two eyes. Uh, and so that's its own little revelation. I mean, the guy plays faster than I think anyone I've ever played with. Uh, I'll give him that credit. He's not a 2.5 handicap. His his handicap on you know the USGA handicap index says 2.5. I, I can I can promise you that he is not a 2.5. He's probably something. If he's keeping score, all the strokes. I don't know. He's probably like a seven. Um, and for the record, to keep this thing fair and balanced, Joe Biden is a 6.7. <laughs> He's probably not that either. And you know what? If you're listening to this, you probably have a faulty handicap too because a lot of people do. Anyways, um, seeing Trump play golf at a Trump golf course with Don Jr. and Eric following along, uh, the best swing in the Trump family belongs to Kai, the granddaughter. She's 15. She's really good, uh, which will keep the Trump name in the golf world for a long time in Florida. Um, so that was that was kind of surreal but i knew it existed uh the fact that trump hit his first tee shot and looked basically right to me and the rest of the media and said you think joe biden can do that i think not (laughs) um was basically the one line he reused over and over throughout the day (laughs) and that 
that really tells me that I don't really know what that tells me because he was asked, will you campaign with Ron DeSantis? He said really nothing of that sort. Um, he's really just kind of like running off this platform of, of his rivalry with Joe Biden. And I don't really quite know what to make of the, the political nature of it. Um, there is lots of red MAGA hats at uh, the course this weekend. You know, live golf itself will tell you they don't want to directly align with every single thing that uh, happens politically around their events. But they also are planning on bringing their golf to multiple Trump courses next year. So Mm -hmm. like the, the association exists for a reason, both on Trump side and on live golf side, you can't avoid it. And I don't think they'll be able to avoid it. They went to Bedminster this year and basically a rally broke out from what many people discuss there um, at the third live golf event. So, uh, the, the associations exist for a reason. Now, as for the golf, this was the best golf, most entertaining golf that Liv has presented. And I think to this point, people would maybe describe me and you as more pro PGA tour than pro live. Um, that's fine. I think, but like, I want to be clear, like this was live golf's best product. Undoubtedly, um, it had strife for the very first time. Every single thing that Live Golf has been this year on the golf course has been sunshine and rainbows, man. Everyone gets paid. There is no cut. You don't even have to play four, uh, four rounds, and everybody's getting money. Everyone's getting more money than they've ever gotten before. There's no strife in that. There's no rivalry created in that. And this week, like Harold Varner lost in the first round, he looked at James Pyatt, his teammate who had gotten waxed five and three, and James apparently had had his head hanging down and was kind of defeated, and Harold was pissed. He was seriously disappointed in his teammate, and uh, that's why he said, this ain't all shits and giggles, man. And um, I was entertained by the fact that Harold Varner showed some strife. It was the first time at a live golf event where I felt like someone was upset. Um is an ounce of strife. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. Interesting. All right. And then forgive me, the uninitiated. Can you explain the format of the week? Like like them five. Well, Liv had seven stroke play events this year. And the teams that, the four teams that played the best in those events were given a bye through to the semifinals. Okay. The, the eight remaining teams played in four quarterfinal matches. Like I said, the top four chose their opponents mm-hmm. for those four matches. Yep. The four winning teams advanced to play the four teams with buys, and then four teams advanced from those semifinal matches to today's all-out, all-strokes-count shootout, in which it was DJs, four aces, Cam Smith's punch gc i'm trying to remember all the names uh brooks kepka's smash gc and the south african stingers as i like to call them um when you and i talked about this event months ago we kind of we kind of circled it on the calendar as a very big potential opportunity for live yes the reason we did that is because it's actually unique how many things in the golf world are unique? The Zurich Classic is unique. 
right? Two-man team event, PGA Tour held in April every single year. A little bit of foursomes, a little bit of foreplay. That's unique. The rest of the PGA Tour is generally uh, the exact same product, 72-hole stroke play events. Um, Live Golf is a, like normally just a very slight variation of that. They play 54-hole stroke play events with yeah. one cut. That's, that's not that different. But this week was different. And um, today was, I think, rather entertaining. It got extremely close late. Dustin Johnson had a three-foot putt to win $4 million for himself and $4 million for Taylor Gooch and $4 million for Pat Perez and Patrick Reed. And if he misses it, then they go into a playoff. Um, as both DJ and Patrick uh, Pat Perez said afterward, you couldn't have scripted it better than this. And I think that's absolutely true. It was kind of sweet to hear DJ say those words because he usually doesn't say a whole lot. And the idea of DJ writing a script is impossible to understand. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was good and it was supercharged. And um, it all led to a Chainsmokers concert and a lot of people all watching it. All things do, Sean. It, it truly felt like a, <laughs> a gigantic win for Live Golf. And now it's the off season. So I know um, pro PGA Tour folks aren't going to like love to hear this, but if you were celebrating the fact that Live Golf had no television rights deal, that they were thinking about buying their way onto airwaves, um, that they have no sponsors, that, that they had to pay about a billion dollars this year to make this thing work, like if that's what you were trumpeting on, like today is the first step I think in live starting to commercialize things. I, I saw the chief uh, operating officer of live golf afterward. And even though he went on the record yesterday, he was really not talking to the media a whole lot. And I asked him one word, like, can you sell this? It was a bit of a rhetorical question because we had just watched, you know, some pretty entertaining golf. And if you can't sell that, you know, get out of the business. But he said, absolutely. And like, that's his job now. It's marketing season for 2023. And, um, like this is the, the winning side of the spectrum on which the other side is a massive flop. And I think a lot of people were cheering for the flop. Don't you think? Oh yeah. I think that, I think there's been a whole number of different arguments against live and, Several of them have been dismantled, I guess. And one of those is just rote incompetence, right? The idea that these people weren't going to be able to yeah. put on a golf tournament that, you know, there were there were quite a few things early on that you could sort of uh, point and laugh at. And I think that that has been eliminated as a point of contention there's still plenty that you can ridicule don't get me wrong like this is oh yeah there, there's still plenty of, of stuff to, to poke fun at but there's no question that they are putting on legitimate golf tournaments with professional style broadcasts that they are producing themselves uh the fan experience seems to be positive i know it's a self-selecting group that are that are going and people that are going are expecting to have a good time but then they seem to be having a good time um so the whole incompetent argument, I would say, has mostly fallen flat. Um, one interesting thing from this that I'm interested to get your perspective from on the ground, uh, not a particularly well 
viewed event. And I think you can chalk a lot of that up to the fact that it's not golf season anymore, um, Mm -hmm. that it's football season. So, you know, a lot of potential viewers would just be watching the NFL on Sunday. But we saw in Boston, I think there was a peak around 180 something thousand viewers on Sunday during the final round. And today the peak viewers were around 72,000. So it's, it's, uh, it's the least viewed of any of the U S based events. So not a lot of positive momentum there. I'm not sure how much any of that matters because live has such a long runway. Um, but it was interesting to see, I, I was expecting more people to watch, I guess I was expecting with the yeah. amount of money put up with the different format. Uh, you know, I, I myself tried to flip it on. I think I missed it by about an hour. So kind of a misfire on my part. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what was the scene like on the ground in terms of fan attendance? Cause there's still not really fans during practice rounds, right? Just for the actual thing. Correct. Uh, I think Bob Herrig is actually the best, uh, person asked this question to, and I asked him this yesterday, uh, maybe during the first round. I can't remember. Um, cause Bob Herrig is, he writes for sports illustrated and he's been to seven live golf events. The only event he's missed Ooh. is Boston. And like you said, Boston was maybe the most watched online. So like Bob, Bob has a very good grasp of who's been on the grounds. He felt like Chicago was maybe, uh, Boston, and Chicago were extremely well attended. He thought, but he also thought that Miami had more and um, it could be deceiving. It could be the fact that like Trump uh, Doral has this huge veranda on which they put the concert speakers and it's not far from the range and the putting green and club 54, whatever, you know, lives uh, VIP section is. Yeah. It, Trump Doral might be the perfect type of place to kind of show lives entire audience and mass. Um, but I felt a lot of people were there. And was it more people than a PGA tour event on Sunday? No, definitely not. Um, were there more people there on Friday than a TGA tour Friday? That might be a little bit more comparable. There were a lot of people there on Friday. Well, it's, it's very tricky. Like Fridays and Thursdays at PGA tour events are, are not that like, are not that well attended. If you talk in waste management, the Genesis yeah, yeah. invitation. Well, it really depends. Sure. There's a wide variety yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of people there on Friday. Uh, and like I said, this kind of feels like the perfect place to go during the day on Friday when you're going to Miami and you're looking for a little bit of daytime fun in the sun. Uh, you know, it's actually really, it's only like 20 minutes from the beach. So it, it's, it makes sense. Um, as far as the YouTube stuff, I really look at it similarly to you where, I mean, how many people were watching the Butterfield Bermuda Championship today? Like this, this is not. Yeah, not season. very many. It's Although not. I, I, I think that the comparisons there are, you know, they're a little wonky because the Butterfield is one of the PGA Tour's most throwaway events of all the throwaway <laughs> events on the PGA Tour schedule. Um, yeah. Whereas this is like the flagship event on Liv's schedule. But it sounds like from their scheduling next year, it will, maybe it'll be in September. I don't know. Do you know this? Do you know the answer to this? Yes. So Walk Liv me through forward. what they have now told you, because a lot of this has happened sort of secondhand or through sourcing or whatever. 
But now I feel like they actually came out and talked about their financial model. What did you learn? Uh, yeah, so Liv had about 10 Gulf Media sit through a 90-minute presentation. Uh, it was probably an hour-long presentation and then maybe a half an hour-long kind of Q&A. And they basically laid out their plans for 2023. And they laid out how they view this thing as a business enterprise. And now people who don't want to hear this will just be able to poke holes through it because a lot of it is hypothetical and I don't blame you for poking holes through it one bit because the presentation was filled with marketing jargon and um yeah so tell like, like from their perspective how is it going to work and then we can kind of evaluate it sure. but give me the rosy picture first from from their the perspective. rosy picture for live golf is 14 events next year avoiding the NFL season starting in February uh, ending in September, avoiding what they call heritage events on the PGA Tour, avoiding the same weeks as major championships and hopefully the weeks prior to major championships. Now, that does not leave a lot of space on the February to September calendar, but that's what they see. And they see 12 teams with 12, quote, principal players. Those are your Phil Mickelsons, your Brooks Kepkas, Bryson, DJ, Cam Smith, I assume Joaquin Neiman, Sergio Garcia. Um, they said that they don't have 12 principal players right now. They've got about 10, hmm. maybe nine. Interesting. Which is interesting because I think, I think Live Golf has about 20 interesting golfers. And so basically that, that is a tease that they think that they will assign two more big names and they are not letting us know who the principal players are right now. I just told you about seven of them, and you can kind of guess who the others might be, but it sounds like there could be a couple more coming. Um, with all things Live Golf, definitely wait to see it before you 100% believe <laughs> yeah. it. Um, and that is the type of patience and skepticism that I went into this presentation with. But 12 teams in which, uh, let's take the Crushers, Bryson DeChambeau's Crushers, for example, 75% of the Crushers GC next year will be owned by Live Golf. 25% will be owned by Bryson Shambo, equity stake. That is what he has earned in the business model for leaving the PGA Tour, defecting from the status quo, and going to Live Golf. Um, there are all kinds of revenues that live will earn allegedly um from sponsors and potential ownership buys and stuff like that um there are also costs that live will front but some of the costs will be pa pa passed down to the teams uh and what i mean when i say that is apparently caddies will no longer be like their travel will be paid for by the teams there will be team budgets separate from live golf's actual like profit and loss sheets live is still going to own a gigantic proportion of this stuff but they're backing they're extending themselves away a little bit so that these teams can become more commercialized so that bryson can hire his own trainer his own physio for these teams that they can potentially hire their own general manager or um secretary staff like that is what Liv wants. They want ownership of these teams to be taken up by the players. Uh, when when merchandise is sold, right? Bryson told me today 
they're going to change up the color scheme uh, from this at this point, which is like kind of like navy and like brownish orange for the crushers. They're going to change that next year. Hope to sell a bunch of merch. Who knows who's going to buy it? I'm not going to buy it. Someone might. Merchandise revenue is going to go in. Merchandise revenue is going to go into this team kitty that theoretically Bryson will earn a, a decent, you know, cut from. Paul Casey, if he's on his team, will earn a cut from. This is how Live sees its future, um, with sponsors diving in on this stuff. Again, patience and skepticism. There is zero proof points. There has not been a sponsor that's bought into this stuff yet. Now, Liv is telling us all that they are in multiple negotiations uh, with TV networks and apparel companies. Um, Bryson said that there are multiple companies right now looking at sponsoring his Crushers team. Um, and he said, we're going to sell to whoever wants it. <laughs> now, again, like if this was a startup that you and I were the fronting people of, we'd be saying the same exact things. So that is just my way of couching, you know, I'm hearing all this kind of stuff <laughs> from Liv, from Bryson, from uh, the whole entity. And I'm just telling you what they are saying, whether you believe it, whether you want to wait to see it, yeah. or whether you, you want to like dive all in and, and go buy some of the gear yourself, that's up to you. But that's where they are at right now. Um, and of course, they think it's going to work. They have to. How do you think the general public should view this season for Liv? Um, as a success, as an unexpected success, as a disappointment because of the the way they sort of lost some momentum near the end of the year, as a wait and see. How do you explain that? Um, this is probably going to make it sound like I'm so anti-live because I, I promise you I'm not. I would call it an annoying success. <laughs> say more because because you and I talked on the podcast at length about how we thought a chaos agent entering the pro golf space would be good for business. And it has been good for business. More people are reading live golf stories on our website on some weekends than they are tour, tour stories. Um, we thought the PGA tour needed to change a number of things. Now I think we had a ceiling in mind on the amount of change that would happen or, or maybe an end game that isn't quite as far as live golf imagined. And I think we are, our eyes are open enough to realize that like we're covering lawsuits way more than we ever were 12 months ago. And that's not nearly uh, quite as fun or uh, hunky dory, but I would say live has been an annoying success because they have gotten hasty with things and um, they have just thumped their chest. Mm -hmm. So, 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 so yeah. much. Um, the broadcast is really tough to listen to Arlo white and Jerry Foltz are telling you that this is the greatest thing you've ever seen. And you could put it on mute and you could look to whoever is next to you and you could confidently say, this is not the greatest golf thing I've ever seen. It, the, the, the chest thumping is annoying to me. Um, Liv constantly telling you how great its field are it is when they have Wade Ormsby and Lori Cantor and these guys at the bottom half of the field. It's not that great of a field. You guys have about 20 good golfers at Live Golf. 20 really good, really, really good golfers. 20 that I care about and want to follow. Um, but don't 
don't lie to me. Don't, don't, don't force me through it. That's what this season has kind of come to is, uh, a bunch of stuff being shoveled at us and we have to kind of parse through what is actual reality. That's tough. And that's why it's annoying to me. Um, but it's been a success undoubtedly. Phil Mickelson made clear this weekend that he remembers when Rory McIlroy said this thing is dead in the water in February. That was in this calendar year, Dylan. It feels like years ago that was before (laughs) phil's leave of absence that was before he went off the map i mean it's crazy how we've lived many golf professional golf lives since then um yeah but it's very clear that these guys have kept receipts they are uh the the rabbit ears on some of these guys i mean seeing poulter and westwood going on twitter and like they're keenly aware of what people are saying and they are then also I guess, pouring fuel on the fire with, well, it's a mix. Some of them are these pretty milk toast, like, uh, neutral social media posts that aren't necessarily inspired. Eamon Lynch was writing about that the other day. Uh, but then there is also some of this peacocking and, and, um, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's a, the incentive financially and otherwise is if you've joined live, of course you are going to make it sound like it's the greatest thing of all time. And also I think there is an element of being in the foxhole together. These guys have definitely bonded. It's all a big party right now. They're all loaded. I mean, there's a lot, if you've made the choice to be there, there's, there's a lot that is, yeah, there's a lot to be celebrating. Um, That's one thing I I kept thinking about uh, when I was walking around on, on Wednesday and it was quiet and uh you know these guys had just made a big performance of the you know selecting their opponents and they're all getting paid a ton of money and they're all really putting their arms around each other and they're smiling and it's like damn to be a live golfer is to be living pretty nice right now like really nice and uh i'm not necessarily jealous uh the jealousy that might matter is if guys like cameron young are jealous um, or if guys like Hideki Matsuyama are jealous, um, that's the jealousy that matters in this bit. And so hopefully we come across as like understanding this thing from both sides. Um, the thing that I can't stop thinking about is like, I think my best comparison for live golf is that it's an off Broadway play and that like, they're trying to attract people to leave Times Square, to walk past Lion King, mm. and to go to their off-Broadway play. And at this point, like they've hired a couple really good actors, and they're trying to tell people, like, no, we're we're over here on 39th Street. Like, this is really good. It's this, this is maybe the best play. This is worthy of a Tony Award. Uh, and yet, like the New York Times critic isn't really taking them seriously and you know they don't have one of those big uh signs up in times square so not everybody knows about it and like this was the end of their you know run through and now there's going to be a break before it comes back next year and i don't know it just it feels like not a lot of people left times square to go watch them and they got to figure out how to get people to come watch their off-broadway play 
What were some of the specific conversations that you had this week that were, you know, on the record that, that stood out or press conferences you attended or, or any players saying notable things? Uh, well, earlier, like I said, like Harold Varner being pissed was kind of fun to see him being actually upset. He said, if live golf, uh, had 20 events, he'd play 20 events. Like he, he's not ready for an off season. Um, but Brooks Kepka is ready for an off season. Phil Mickelson is ready for an off season. DJ has made $35 million. He could retire, you know, four years ago and be happy, but he's, he's plenty happy right now. Um, I was surprised that, uh, Richard Bland and Graham McDowell played so well and they used part of their post victory, uh, interview to say we want Lori Cantor on this team, which just kind of mm. says like, okay, Richard yeah. Bland's coming back next year. Graham McDowell's probably coming back next year. What well, definitely is, um, and they've got their eye on this Lori Cantor kid who is not one of the two hundred best golfers in the world. <laughs> He's not. He's just not. And um, that kind of shows that there's going to be a tiered system to this thing. There's going to be a really good team. The four aces are probably going to be really good. The other teams are going to try to fill in and compete with that. Um, I'm trying to think of the other things that people said this week. Uh, there's supposed to be a future transfer market. Live Golf, part of the presentation, they said that, you know, in theory, it would be starting tomorrow. And um, in the future, Does it, it mean will... mean trading between organizations <laughs> yes. or like like getting someone on yes. loan from the PGA Tour? <laughs> like. Whoa, <laughs> I don't think I don't think exactly on loan, but the uh, the idea is it's akin to a transfer market. It's akin to the off season where players on in the NBA sign with teams in free agency and or are traded. Um, now, like there's gonna be a, there's gonna be some moving of the pieces in the next two months as Liv signs a couple more people and really fit in who are going to be the principal players, but. Um, in theory, next year, the day after the team championship, there can be a full-out transfer market in which Phil Mickelson trades Matthew Wolf away from his team for Eugenio Chikara because Chikara is this up-and-coming talent and Matt Wolf is struggling again. Um, <laughs> you know, like, it's so hard to, to get there for me because it's so far away. It's so fantastical. Like, doesn't make any sense. But none of this all makes any sense. So <laughs> while we're here, let's just let the imagination run. You sound like you sound a little sleepy at the end of your long, long week in Miami, Sean. What I am, Dylan, is I'm fatigued by the hypotheticals. Yeah. Like like the 60 minute presentation and the 30 minute Q&A was filled with hypotheticals. We're going to get these sponsors. We don't know who they are yet. We're yeah. going to get this TV deal. We don't know who it's going to be with. But we've got time cleared on the TV broadcast calendars. Uh, but who knows which one it'll be. And we've got players in mind, but we'll probably announce them by the end of December. Um, we've got a schedule figured out, but you won't know that till the end of November. Like The hypotheticals make it hard for me to, to maintain my attention span. Um, but I think that comes with the territory. What are you looking forward to in the professional golf, quote unquote, off season, whatever you call what we're about to hit here? Hmm. Gosh, that's a good question. What am I looking forward to? 
You know what? You know what it is? It's Tiger Woods season. Mm. Is it not? Wow, that's a really is good it point. It's the Tiger Swing. Yeah, the uh, yeah between the Bahamas, theoretically, Tiger will play the hero, and I mean, you know, put shoot a couple, maybe go seventy one sixty eight and be T fourteen out of twenty out. people, and everyone will say, "My God, he's back." Uh, and then you'll see him with Charlie. Charlie seems like a world beater now. They could go win the father son or at least contend there. So yeah, that's a really good point. The the early December season could be pretty promising for the Woods family. I just think that that is an example of what Rory's talking about. The fact that we would maybe just pay attention to a 18 person hit and giggle and a father son father daughter championship is what golf's off season needs to look like it is football season we want people to maintain their listenership and their faithfulness to this podcast um, but maybe you and i get goofy with the episodes moving forward maybe we dive into the interviews and maybe we do some mm-hmm. nfl player comps and stuff like that because I'm, I'm i'm done with like the the moaning and stuff um i'm done with the asking rory about live players being on the Ryder Cup team. I'm, Man, I'm done yeah. hearing those answers for the 18th time. I think that that's pretty fair. I don't think we're going to get any of that until, uh, well, I guess we're going to still have some, we'll have some DP World Tour stuff coming down the stretch here, right? Yep. And uh, yes. And then, yeah, we're, you know, and we'll then, transition into the Tiger season and then it all starts fresh and then the PGA Tour super season begins. We get to stress test this thing and see if it's uh see if it's everything it's cracked up to be and you know what else we get we get discovery we get discovery in the lawsuit between the pga tour and live golf and we get to find out who was talking to who who from the pga tour contacted anthony kim who from the pga tour is the guy who has to talk to augusta national and (laughs) why did so and so talk to the chain smokers and why is live something that the chain smokers has to be talked to here you're right there's we just scratched the surface here we might have to do a supplementary podcast who knows sean once i once i uh once my suntan starts fading over here i get this salt out of my hair yeah yeah the other thing i'd like to pay attention to the lpga tour We've got the finale uh, coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, the event before that's the Pelican. Like, guys, if you are tired of the PGA Tour versus Live, just look at the calm, easy, smooth swings, the smooth voices, the ladies of the PGA Tour who have they've kind of kept themselves out of this debate all summer long and have been pretty good sports about it. And a lot uh, of non-answers coming, coming from the, uh, the LPGA camp. Yeah. You've got the Pelican November 10th through 13th. uh, And then the CME group tour championship plan for some big bucks, November 17th through 20th. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to still be good golf going on. I just, I just think like we as a podcast probably have unintentionally not been able to, to pay as much attention to the LPGA tour this year. And I think like golf media at large has done that. So if there is ever a time for you to pay attention with your eyeballs to the LPGA tour, it is mid November. Just do a favor for us. Yeah. Um, and that, no, that's a good point. I mean, when it becomes live versus the PGA tour, it's actually 
that I mean that can swallow the entire golf ecosystem, the entire you know every other tour that is not live or the PGA tour definitely uh, feels like it ends up losing out. So yeah, November will be if if live owned October. Maybe the LPGA will have a solid claim to November. Um, Sean, is there anything else that you'd like to get into? Shout out to Seamus Power for winning the, the Bermuda Championship. Um, no, if you can't tell, I'm a bit, I'm a bit tired. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can we read by you from this week? I'm writing up a recap of the week right now. It's kind of a lot of what we talked about here, but with more juicy detail hopefully yeah, and, and you get to write it down you don't and, just have to say it out loud you can edit what you say yeah yeah um that'll be up on on your favorite golf website golf.com hopefully in a couple hours so well sean your it. hometown green bay packers are down 17 at halftime so you don't have to waste much of your time tuning into that one uh you can just write instead once again check out the new radmore golf fall line at radmoregolf.com some really good stuff that you can just get there by using code drop zone for 25 percent off at checkout um guys we're gonna cook up something fun this was like a pretty serious episode in terms of live action but we'll be back either this week or next week um we love you see you soon 